Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. So, hi listeners. Thank you for joining us again on Yeah, Uh-huh with Lisa. And Phil. This week, we have Ayana Davis of the Phenomenally Autistic fame. She is... um what I consider to be an influencer. She does fashion. She's an author. She's an illustrator. She's an artist. And she happens to have a neurological disorder. So welcome, Ayana. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. No problem. So you you got a number of talents and things that you uh, do here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like where to start. It's like the, the old candy store analogy. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I know that you do, as far as volume, it seems like the illustrations for children's books seems to be very high as far as one of your, you know, biggest uh, income sources. Yeah. Or is that more of a love that just became an in-source income source? It's definitely love. I would do it for free. I would probably get in trouble if I did that. But like by like <laughs> my friends and stuff, because they're like, people are taking advantage of you. But it's it's definitely a form of love. And it's also a form of survival for me, meaning mm-hmm. art has helped me survive throughout my life because it's my main source of communication. As a child, I, I didn't speak much, but I would mm-hmm. draw. And sometimes I would actually draw so I could communicate and let my parents and those in, around me know what I needed. So it, it's definitely my my first choice for everything and my go-to mm-hmm. in, in my everyday, day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. It's great that you had that, that you found it. Yeah, I'm blessed. And and, and I, I, I kind of think it, it found me to help me because, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I didn't speak much, mm-hmm. even when people even when spoken to, even when people would speak to me, right. sometimes I wouldn't speak, I wouldn't speak to them. I would just stare at them or I would just walk away, which is, is it's, it's kind of rude, but I wasn't doing it on purpose and I didn't know right. any better. Even now, I still don't know any better. Sometimes I will walk away if I'm getting overstimulated, mm-hmm. but you know, I would just go sit in my favorite spot, which was a corner and, and mm-hmm. I would draw and I would express myself. My parents usually knew what drawings met they could tell from a drawing if I was having a good day if I was having a bad day and this was even before I started like pre-k so this was like around two three years old Mm -hmm. so it's always been a way for me to communicate and for others to know what I needed and what I was feeling Mm -hmm. did so when you were in school did your school have a a good art program I mean it's some people you can take it for granted not all schools will have uh you know like an art fair or some kind of give a good program? Um, I would say that um, the art classes were, they were pretty average, you know, elementary school art classes. They don't really teach you art. They just give you an, give you assignments. Right. And 
I just remember my my art teachers, they always flocked to me, you know, they didn't feel that I was different because it was just like, oh, she's very eccentric. She's so talented. Any mm-hmm. assignment that we give her, she can, you know, execute it and, you know, she's perfect. But then when I got to high school, that's mm-hmm. when they actually start to teach you the skill of art and the skill of drawing. And mm-hmm. my art teacher actually pulled me out of his class because he said he didn't want to change my art style, but he also taught photography. So he put me in his photography class because he didn't want to change my art style. But Mm. I started doing art shows actually at seven years old. So I've always been into the arts. She's still here. She's about 90 years old now. She's a, she was a painter. So she was very active on the art scene. She Mm -hmm. saw me doing these, you know, giant murals when I was seven years old. And she's like, okay, I'm going to put her in some art shows. So then I started doing art shows for a few years. At the same time, I was also doing local plays. And then when I became a teenager, I started to teach dance and I joined a theater company. I actually worked for the theater company. I was the head of the dance department and I assisted the drama department. So I was always into some type of art. And I believe that's probably one of the reasons why people always just was like, oh, she's just, she's just artistic. This is how artists are. Just, just mm-hmm. leave her alone. Let her, let her be, let her be creative. Right. So it was always some, some type of art that was, that I could lean on that, that could be there for me. So right. I wasn't feeling so like, am I really human? So it was always there to, to save me. Right. I know when I'm feeling overloaded, I tend to lean towards the written word. I'll, I'll, I'll hide myself with a book. Yeah. I, I, also I love do that. to read. Yeah. I also do that when I just feel like reading or when I'm feeling good. So, you know, this remind. we should mention <laughs> that Ayana, you're from New York, right? I mean, you're a New Yorker. Yes, I'm from New York. I'm actually, I'm not from like NYC, Manhattan. I'm from Westchester County, New York. I, I actually um, have a, my own day here, April 26th. I was given a pro- <laughs> I was given a proclamation. It was and it was made Ayana Davis Day in Westchester County, New York. So yes, I'm a New Yorker. I still live here. I did move away for about seven years to Georgia, mm-hmm. but you know I have had a, I have a lot of health challenges, and my doctors, yeah. even when I did move, were always still in New York. So it was just it was just better for me to be here, closer to my family, closer to my doctors. So right. yes, I'm in New York. And when you have a trusted doctor. <laughs> it is so hard to find a new doctor that you can trust that can understand what's going on with you, if, especially if you have something unusual. Yeah. yeah and it, and, it, and with me, it's like, I have so many different like specialists that I see. Like I see an endocrinologist, right. I see a rheumatologist, I see a yep. neurologist. Yeah. So it's just, it's so many doctors that it was just like, it was, it was actually easier for me to hop on a plane to come to my appointments than to try to find a doctor that I was comfortable with and that I trusted out of state. Yeah. And, and I know with my primary care, my, I see a wound care doctor and, and like you said, endocrinologist, if I would do the same because these are people that I had to find, even in yeah. a metropolitan city. You don't always find the right person the first time. It took me about five years to find the right kind of doctor to address my skin condition. So you kind of interview <laughs> your doctors. I do. Yeah. <laughs> right. I learned. That's understandable. That. Yeah. That's understandable. Like, yeah. even with like my, I'm not like pleased with my neurologist because I am having a lot of neurological issues right now. Yeah. So 
Even after <laughs> years of like dealing with a seizure disorder, I still have not found like a doctor, like my doctor that I was happiest with was my doctor that diagnosed me with seizures and that caught the fact that I was having seizures, but he moved. So he's just too far as frequent as I need to see a neurologist. So it was just like, mm -hmm. oh, and I have not found a doctor since that I've been comfortable with because he always went the extra step to make sure that he wasn't mm -hmm. missing anything. Yeah. So it was just, it was just very comfortable. Like it it's, it just, I just feel safer when I don't have to like beg the doctor can you look into this or that and right. I just feel more comfortable when the doctor is like I think we should look at this I think we should look at that maybe this med is not working well mm -hmm. with your body as opposed to a doctor just saying this is just this is what you need to take these are the side effects so I'm not completely pleased with all of my doctors right now but I'm definitely like open to like finding new doctors who I trust more and who I'm more comfortable with because you have to be comfortable because if you're not you oh, won't yes. ask questions you won't Absolutely. ask the questions that you need to ask and if you're not asking these questions mm -hmm. something can can you know just be Go missed that mm -hmm. yeah and and that's that's not good at all no well I recently found out you may not know about this you might because you do seem to be very together on your your health they have these things called pharmacy clinics. And what you can do is there are pharmacists trained to take a look at your, your meds and give suggestions for your doctors. And I had, I had like four doctors at the time. And one of the doctors was not open to the pharmacist idea. And I'm not with him anymore. <laughs> I found um, a new well, one. Who I I heard of it. I don't know like the details or anything. I'm sure my yeah. dad knows, but I also, I also has an aunt who was a pharmacist. So <laughs> it was, if we have any questions, we can always go to her. One of the pharmacies that I was actually using up here was really a good pharmacy because actually they caught a med interaction that the doctors didn't. And they were like, you know, yeah. you can't build this because you'll have a bad interaction with another med that you're taking. So I've been lucky to have like, pharmacists who who really do their job right. and who seem to care and make mm -hmm. sure that your meds are doing more good than harm right well i, I when i yeah. looked when we did some research on you i found a couple interviews uh, nothing too invasive no but, but <laughs> I was, I was I'm, I'm pretty i'm i'm pretty open <laughs> because i feel like i feel like like you know a person having communication issues i can only explain things if I'm explaining it exactly how it happened or exactly mm -hmm. how I feel so yeah. I'm pretty open I'm pretty transparent well what came across mm -hmm. is that you have really have a breadth of knowledge about your condition and some of and, and some of the things that you've gone through that uh, it's really and you know impressive you know I'm thinking I've, I've read stuff about sensory overload and mm -hmm. touch adversity things that I had yeah no, no knowledge <laughs> or we didn't know Lisa and I didn't know anything about the seizures that people with autism may be prone to having mm -hmm. and um, yeah so, I know my my cousin's lucky enough not to be prone to the seizures and uh, most of my autism knowledge from early on is is based on that so and my relationship with him. So, so is your condition uh, kind of sparked that degree of knowledge? Knowledge, or yeah, or is, are you naturally inquisitive person? Or well, I actually knew about like I was having seizures before we knew that I was autistic, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like, I know so much about like the seizures. It's because I've had so many and mm-hmm. we've tried so many different things to try to get them under control. Sometimes it seems like we have them under control. Sometimes it seems like they're completely out of control. So it's really just like a matter of like listening to your body and learning from the past experiences of your body. Like one of the the most effective seizure drugs that I've been told is Keppra, but mm-hmm. I was given Kep I was actually given Keppra in an IV at the ER and I'm allergic to it. So that does not help Lovely. me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So um, I'm allergic to any pain medicine that's good. <laughs> it is and and I'm also allergic to penicillin. So like mm-hmm. um my lip my lip noise were infected a few weeks ago and <sighs> the antibiotic that they gave me kicked my butt. I was vomiting everywhere. But back to the seizures. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the Keppra was not, it just, I, I'm allergic to it, I couldn't take it. So I'm on two um, other seizure meds. Mm-hmm. I take gabapentin and I take lamotrigine, which is also called lamictal. But I feel like, like people be like, your meds aren't working, but actually they are. Like mm-hmm. I've been having like problems with episodes lately, but they mm-hmm. are working because if I weren't taking them, I would be mm-hmm. having episode after episode after episode because there was a point in my life where I was having between 14 and 20 a day. So when people are like, your meds aren't working, trust me, they're working. Yep. I know I had a friend who had grand mal seizures and he ended up going through the brain procedure where they, they sever some of the connections between the two hemispheres. Is that something that you would ever, I mean, I'm just wondering what the what you know about that no I do um know about that because it mm-hmm. was you know brought to my attention yeah. and I've read a, I've read a little bit about it I haven't I haven't said yes or no to it but I but it's something that I've considered but it, it yeah I've heard of that because it, it it was like at one point we're like what do we do like what do we do now where do we mm-hmm. go from here we've seemed like we've done everything so I've definitely heard of it I actually spoke to someone who had it done and and I was just the reason I was alarmed is because you know they said that their their seizures continued after they had it so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know like it's just his it's, did it's stop hard. for a while and they never came back as strong. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- this yeah. person, mm-hmm. they said that it, it like you just said, it stopped for a while, but didn't come back as strong. But this person, they came back and it was just like, like they never had the surgery. So that's what yeah. alarm, that's what alarms me about right, it. And that right. like, and, and it, yeah, so, but I've, I've definitely heard of it. I've read yeah. about it. Like any, anything like anybody ever like presents to me about mm-hmm. like my, my health. I go read about it because I want oh, yeah. to see what said. I want to see what other people who had it done have to say about it. I want to see if it's safe. I want to see the risk. Like I want to see everything. So like I do, I, I'm a big, I'm going to go see what this is about person. Like, and especially because um, I was um, a few years ago, I was given lithium because, you know, when you're autistic, they give you a lot of psych meds to try to yes. like um, calm mm. your autistic traits plus they um, tend to do that to women anyway yeah and lithium Mm -hmm. actually is like really specifically made for people who are bipolar and I'm not bipolar I do have depression and I do have anxiety but I'm not bipolar so Mm -hmm. they gave me this 
And but like when they first was like, hey, we're gonna try her on lithium. In my mind, I'm like, isn't that a battery? But then I didn't say anything. And I just listened. <laughs> I'm thinking you picture yourself going to Kmart and going, yeah, I need the 32. Like I was just like, okay, but like you know, they they gave it to me and mm-hmm. like it it just it it wrecked havoc on my body. Within a week, mm. I within a week I had gained about 10 pounds my thyroid actually exploded. So I kind of don't have a thyroid now because of that. Oh wow! And my face broke out, my hair fell out. So it was just, it was just like the worst drug they could have put me on for a condition I did not have. So that's yeah. why now when the doctor is like, Hey, we're going to try you on this. I'm like, okay, don't write the prescription yet. Cause I need to do my research. So mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Why are you putting me on this? Knowledge yeah, like, demystifies mm-hmm. the knowledge demystifies the illness. Like when mm-hmm. I, when I was uh, when I was mm-hmm. diagnosed with type two diabetes, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, how long how long do I have? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but you go and you start to read about yeah. the condition, you really become like interested. Only another forty or fifty years, babe. You're vested in, 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 <laughs> yeah. in what you're reading, so you really focus mm-hmm. on you know the, the yeah. case studies and information. Yeah, and we've gone to the keto diet. And it has done wonders. I bet the biggest wow. complaint among doctors, doctors is backseat doctors that come into the office and already have a you diagnosis mean your wife? and already oh. prescribed <laughs> drugs for themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But so you've illustrated, but the, the, my research showed at the time you had illustrated 17 children's books. Is that still the same figure? Or? Well, technically I've illustrated more than 17, but with, mm-hmm. with anything, everything doesn't always work out. So, but I have, there are 16 in print right now and my book that I'm authoring, which is coming out this fall, will be my 17th book that I'm illustrating that is gone to print. Thank you very much. Will that be available on Amazon or have you even got that far into the, the process yet to think about it? Yes, it will be available on Amazon. And actually, the latest book that I illustrated, it's called My Melanin. The author's mm-hmm. name is Renita Pagan. It's actually available right now on Amazon. And I've also illustrated four coloring books. Okay, yeah. So My Melanin, I read a little bit about that. That, that, that sounded like it had a very good uh, story mm-hmm. to it. I, yeah, you know, we had a discussion about melanin versus melatonin. Yeah. They are related, <laughs> but not the same. So do you want to, do you want to talk a little bit about the the story of of that book? Sure. My Melanin, um, authored by Renita Pagan. It's basically a children's book that teaches young girls of color to love themselves, to love their skin, to love their hair. It is a book with affirmations reaffirming all of their amazing and wonderful and beautiful qualities. So um, I would recommend that book for anybody with a young child, a Mm -hmm. young girl, of color who might just need a little self-esteem boost might just need to know that they can be anything they dream of being in life mm-hmm. and that just wants to read an amazing story by an amazing author mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just a kind of an empowering story for mm-hmm. the young girls you know yes one of the things that I think about now is the the girl power movement is is wonderful as a woman I think it's an amazing thing, but I worry (laughs) that we're leaving our boys behind in favor of our girls. Well, for me, I don't agree with that because Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to tell you exactly why. Um, Being autistic, 
girls are often left behind in the autism community. When you see the face of autism, you don't see the face of a little girl, especially the face oh, of a little absolutely. black girl. True. You usually see you usually see the face of a little white boy. Mm-hmm. So while I do understand what you're saying, for me, I feel like the girls need to be uplifted more because the peer pressure on girls mm-hmm. ab- about looking good and feeling good about yourself and is your hair pretty, mm-hmm. that really needs to be really needs to be enforced and they really need to hear that. So that's why I think that books mm-hmm. like that are really okay. important. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm thinking in terms of like a lot of the teenage early boys that I know, they're young men between the ages of like 15 and 20 are kind of adrift, whereas their sisters, their fiancés, their girlfriends are like in college and he's at home playing video games while she's in college, you know? (laughs) Kind of a thing. Some of that, though, some of that is by choice. A lot of True. boys just want to play True. video games. You know, I have a, I have an older brother, so I yeah. I know all about the teenage boy and yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, so I just kind of I I think about that as something that's I, I agree with you that girls need to be uplifted. I mean, I was I'm ADD and I was not diagnosed until I was twelve. So I had a lot of problems growing up with that because, of course, I was just odd (laughs) as opposed to having a diagnosis with some kind of interventions that could have helped me, whereas the boys were getting those interventions to help them move forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was one of the, the Ritalin. I was one of the first people ever to be put on Ritalin. In case you're wondering how old I am, <laughs> but this oh, I actually like, uh, I was I was um mm-hmm. I was put on Ritalin about mm-hmm. four years ago. Um, yeah. I don't have HCAD, but they put it on me to um, they gave it to me to help me focus because a lot of the times I can't focus. So that's like that's one of my morning meds. Like if I if I don't take it, you can tell that I didn't take it. Like I don't not take it on purpose, but but I'm on so much right. medication about about 40 pills a day sometimes mm-hmm. things slip through the cracks so on yeah. days where I don't take my Ritalin you really can tell mm-hmm. it's hard for me to focus it's hard for me to get my through my to-do list for the day mm-hmm. um, it's hard for me to you know just sit right. down and take a few minutes to myself that that everybody needs every day so mm-hmm. you can definitely tell when I don't take it yeah now, I did get uh, better with it as I got older. At the time that I was on it, it was still an experimental drug, and it was called Silert. And I know that uh, what was really kind of interesting was I would be taking it twice a day. And after starting to take that, I was not able, I was able to sleep through the night. I was able to, <clears throat> I was able to concentrate better. I was able to do better in school. I was more patient. Overall, I was less... I I had less tendencies to get like upset by things, but my mother took one pill and did not sleep for three days. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely, it definitely works differently (laughs) for everybody. Like, but like for me, like, like if I wouldn't have took it today, like Mm -hmm. right now, you would be thinking to yourself, this is the podcast guest from hell. I'd be cutting you off. I wouldn't be answering your questions. Mm-hmm. I'd just be bringing up random things. So like <laughs> it it definitely, definitely helps me focus and as much as I can, because, you know, medication can only do so much, but, and keep me on track where I need to stay on track. So it was one of the, I was a, 
I was a little um, hesitant to take it at first because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have ADHD. And they were like, we're giving you this to, to, to treat a trait. So just, mm-hmm. you know, give it a try. I gave it a try. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any bad side effects from it, which is rare because a lot of the medications that I have been given, I've had bad side effects from mm-hmm. um, even including a hundred pound weight gain. So I haven't had like the best luck with like finding medications that my body likes. Well, and whenever you have a different brain chemistry, you know, they're, they're not testing 5,000 people who have what you have with these medications, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I see what you're so saying. So they can't but, know yeah, that you, you're a kind of almost, you're kind of almost a medication trial of one yeah. every time. Look, why don't we take a break for our uh, sponsor right here? Okay. And then we've got some more to talk about mm-hmm. with Ayana Davis when mm-hmm. we come back. Okay. So mm-hmm. you were you 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 went for a long time in your life undiagnosed, mm-hmm. and you that must have been disorienting and confusing. It must have been difficult mm-hmm. and and must have not to put words in your mouth, but it must have been a, a huge relief to find out that there was, you know, you could, once you found One out. One of those things where on, the doctor looks at you and he's like, why are you so happy you're autistic? <laughs> <laughs> well, initially I wasn't happy. You know, I was, I was already in the hospital and I wasn't connecting with my doctors. I wasn't Mm. even talking to them. I was just going through periods where I would like just shut down. So they, they brought in like a psych team and they were like, Oh, we'd like to have her evaluated. So they did a full evaluation. It took a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really, it was really difficult for me to get through those hours, but they were very accommodating. They were very patient. They allowed me to take breaks. They, they spoke with my dad. They asked him, how was I as a child? And, you know, a couple of days later, we met my treatment team and they sat me and my dad down and they said, you know, has anybody ever told you that she could be on the spectrum? And we said, yes. And I'll get back to that after I tell you this. So, mm-hmm. and then they were like, okay, well, you know, we, from our tests, we're, we're finding that, you know, she's on the spectrum and these are the things that we can do to help. But to hearing ever hearing have I been on the spectrum mm-hmm. I was just at my regular therapist that I see weekly wasn't any type of specialist was just like a normal therapist that you see mm-hmm. to go vent to go vent to every two weeks or whenever people see their therapist yeah. and we were just talking and he was just asking me a bunch of questions and he was like you know it sounds like you're autistic and then he was like, so what are you going to have for dinner tonight? And that was the end of the conversation. Like yeah. he didn't do anything to try to help mm-hmm. me to find out, was I actually autistic or mm-hmm. it, it was just like, it was like nothing for him. He just moved on with his life. So I feel like I could have, things could have been a lot easier for me if something would have been done then. But yeah. everybody, I feel like it, since it, it wasn't his direct area, mm-hmm. that that's why it happened that, that way. But also because you know, like I'm a, I'm a female, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a woman, I'm a black woman. So it's just like, I'm not going to, we're not going to cater to her. She's not here for that. She's here for therapy. So I'm going to give her therapy. But our artistic, maybe you don't autistic, you don't, maybe you don't need his therapy anymore. Yeah, right. But I actually, did. I, 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 I actually, I, I did stop seeing him maybe a year later because he was, he was kind of a insensitive therapist because I was, mm-hmm. 
one of the, I had like a break where I didn't see him because I was actually in the, I was put into a mental hospital because I was going through a, a bad depressive period. And like, when I came back to the office, he just, he had some insensitive remarks. So we just decided to remove ourselves from that equation. It's not healthy to have a therapist who jokes about mental illness when they're supposed to be helping you. So I I, I stopped seeing him after that. But when they told me, you know, that I, that I was autistic, it's not what I wanted to hear. I was like, no, I'm not. Y'all don't know what y'all talking about. But then I had to like really think about it and mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, take a step back. Now you understand why you're the way you are. Now you understand why you communicate the way you are. Now you understand why you learn the way you learn. Now you understand why you don't communicate sometimes. So while it wasn't what I wanted to hear, it was a relief because when you don't know about yeah. yourself, that can cause a lot of self-hate. And I've I've been through plenty of episodes of self-hate and episodes of not hating myself. And so like learning why I was the way I was, it taught me to like myself and now eventually love myself. Yeah. And so you've taken you've taken this adversity in your life and turned it around and you've made it a point you've of inspiration, made it your, you know, yeah. which is really, mm-hmm. you know, a wonderful thing. When I was looking through some of your interviews um, and articles, and some things really stuck stuck out to me. You talked about Frank's podcast. You talked about teaching people how to treat you. Yes. Yes, because uh, when you're different, you experience a lot of disrespect from people. You experience a lot of ridiculing. And when you really don't understand why you're the way you are, how can you defend yourself? So when you learn about yourself, okay, now I know why I'm this way and I'm not going to allow you to treat me this way, but this is how you can treat me if you still want to be in my life. So it was very important for me to learn about myself so I could teach people how to treat me. A story that kind of speaks to that, a friend's nephew had Tourette's, and it was a physical Tourette's. He would do physical actions. And once he was diagnosed with Tourette's and they realized what was happening, he chose to stand up in front of his class and explain what was going on and why he did the things he did. And that turned his classmates from bullies into advocates. Yeah. yeah, I think that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's, I, I feel like that's, yeah, what I know someone with Tourette's and it's really difficult because when they, when they're dealing with their tics, which, you know, people mm-hmm. that's, they don't know, like, what is this person doing? Why are they, why are they right. physically moving like this? Those mm-hmm. are, those are tics. People with autism also have tics. They're called stims though. I stim a lot. Like if you've seen like videos with me or TikToks mm-hmm. of my TikToks, I stim a lot. I cannot help it, but it is it is actually a very healthy behavior because it helps you release energy and not necessarily negative energy. It also helps you um, express your, your positive emotions. So I definitely understand that. Right. Yeah, I noticed that on, on the Twitter uh, mm-hmm. feed and also, I guess on YouTube, we, when we were looking at that, you know, mm-hmm. that we didn't re- quite understand what, what was but, meant. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you clarifying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no problem. Another, yeah, there's another thing you said that was interesting. That I thought, do what you are most afraid of. I kind of plucked that out of an mm-hmm. article about you. Yeah, I'm not going to hang out with snakes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So is that really a challenge? Are you saying challenge yourself or is that really the way that you kind of overcome adversity? Yeah, do what you're most afraid of. Me, I was afraid to live, but look at me now. So you do what you're most afraid of. I was afraid to go after my dreams because of seems to have uh, escaped from me. It's like, um, it's over. Okay, it's done. All right, okay. let me... <laughs> we're back. Well, um, terribly sorry about that interruption. Yeah, and we were talking about let's, uh, I mean, let's using adversity ahead. to... Let's just um, talk... Let's just take or it from... Using your fears to overcome adversity. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I did say do what you're most afraid of me i was most afraid to live but now look at me i'm living my life i'm flourishing do what you're do what you're most afraid of i was afraid to chase my dreams look at me now i'm chasing my dreams i'm happy i'm making others happy so like what you're afraid of could be actually what you were put here to do mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, whenever i hear that term i can't help but think of um the space program one small step for man you know you know so you think that's what you know i don't yeah i think you you might be reaching a little too high yeah i might be reaching maybe maybe literally but when there was another interview that i was looking at where you talked about and i thought this was really really good you're talking about hollywood you know TV shows and stuff like that they are reluctant to hire autistic actors even for roles about Mm -hmm. you know for uh, with with an autistic person yeah i mean yes 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 i Mm -hmm. with me like i'm i'm all about inclusion i'm all about diversity so i Mm -hmm. feel like if you can hire a non-autistic actor to play somebody with autism Mm -hmm. you could you could have hired an autistic actor to do Mm -hmm. the same right and if you're if you're hiring non-autistic actors to play autistic characters, what's the difference? Like, it, it's still an art. They're still acting. They still have to perform. So I feel like if somebody who who is autistic can do it, I feel like they should be given the roles. I don't like when people are excluded just because of mm-hmm. a challenge or a disability or a condition. Right. Because ex- exclusion is bullying. So yes. like, well, I feel like I feel like they're trying, mm-hmm. but I feel like they can do better. Like, I see a lot of shows. They have people in wheelchairs who are really in wheelchairs in real life. Mm -hmm. I've seen a few people who are autistic in roles, but they're taking baby steps. And I think they need to take bigger steps. So they are trying, but I think they can do better. Like me, like I said, I'm all about inclusion. I'm all about diversity. You should not exclude someone from something that they would love to do or that they are capable of doing just because of the way they were born and because of condition that they were born with because one nobody mm-hmm. acts to be born till you cannot help how you were born mm-hmm. so like like ex- like I said exclusion is bullying and there are bullies in Hollywood yeah well I mean they're still you know I know that uh, a lot of the roles for blind people or deaf people are still played by by norm actors and usually- and I, yeah they, there is I, I do have to wonder, do you think that it's more a matter of ignorance or of the bottom line? Because maybe they think that if they hire an autistic actor, they would have to also hire someone to, to like, you know, to kind of interpret, so to speak. I feel like it's, um, 
it's a combination of them being lazy yeah. and mm-hmm. um, like what you said, having to hire somebody to interpret. So it's it's, it's laziness, yeah. it's selfishness. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, like a lot of people in Hollywood, they're all about themselves and they're all about, well, this is going to make me look good. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter about anybody else. It's all about me. So it's like a lot of it is laziness and and like back to it, bullying. And and here's my thing. If they hire someone for a role where like, for instance, a lot of British actors are taking American roles on. And I'm pretty sure that the actor isn't paying for the voice coach himself. That gets no I, I, American I, accent. Now, some of them yeah. are, but some of them aren't. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know, like, because, you know, I love to read, read about arts and entertainment. A lot of, and, and I read about a little bit of, of the way that British actors train. And, you mm-hmm. know, when they do, when they train, they do train and learn American accents mm-hmm. um, as just part of their training. Some of them just can naturally do it, but a lot of it is their training. Um, right. Their training is not the same way that the American actors are trained. I learned right. that from working in theater. So, and I, and I do understand why a lot of American actors, you know, they kind of, they kind of resent them for, com- for coming over and taking their roles, but you know. <laughs> Maybe they should learn a British accent and go over to England and take their roles. But you know, this all begs the question, uh, I know you've been in theater, you know, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you still have any uh, aspirations to act or? I'm open to any type of art, anything like that mm-hmm. I have a bug for or you know, anything that I just might wake up one morning and be like, hey, I want to do this or hey, I want to do that. So like I'm open to any type of art that I may get the interest to get back into because it's where I started. So like technically I never left because when I taught dance, they they did skits. So that was still mm-hmm. acting. So okay. technically I never left, you know, my health challenges kind of took over my life for a couple of years where I really wasn't able to really do anything so and Mm -hmm. some days I still can't do anything but you know I wake up every day I hope for the best I pray I write Mm -hmm. my that gratitude journal I meditate and I do what my body allows me to do for that day and sometimes I do what I'm probably not supposed to be doing because I'm like I don't need permission to do this from my body it's me I you belong to me I don't belong to you right Mm -hmm. so Aside from your your father, who seemed to be very close to, who do you look at as a like a role model or somebody that gives you inspiration? Well, my mama passed away. Her and her twin on the same day. That's another oh. story. <laughs> but wow, I there are a few people who who I know that like if I need them, they'll be there, mm-hmm. and you know that just their mere existence inspires me to keep going every day in life so I'm blessed that you know I'm able to be in the orbit of these people and have them in my orbit Mm so and then I have yeah and then I have like like my friends who you know they they push me on days where I'm just like oh Mm -hmm. leave me alone I don't want to be bothered (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of those days but I do have those days those days because I'm human Mm -hmm. Um, I do but most of my friends live in Georgia because you know I lived down there for um, so long and that's when I made the most friends because you know that that's when I was like socially able to interact most Mm -hmm. and then like about a year after I came back to New York I, I believe that's when we got into the pandemic so like I'm not going out to meet anybody because I don't want to meet COVID also. So 
but I'm I'm blessed. I do have a few people in my life who I know will always be there when I need them. And everybody doesn't have that. So I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you said that you don't believe that vaccination had anything to do with autism. No, but no, are, there are, are no signs. For or against like flu vaccines and, and the COVID vaccines? For me, like I don't tell anyone if I'm vaccine, vaccinated okay. or if I'm not vaccinated. But I, you know, you got to get certain vaccinations to start school. So I've been vaccinated, but I feel like it's everybody's personal choice. As long as you're, as you're, as long as you're not out there being reckless, putting other people's lives in danger. Um, I feel like it's a personal choice. I don't feel like you have to get online and be like, I got my vaccination or I'm not getting vaccinated. Like it's it's your business and it's your choice as long as you're being safe. And more importantly, as long as you're not putting other people in harm's way, because me, I have a compromised immune system. So I have to be careful. Like even when they're like, we're removing the mask mandate, I still have to wear my mask because I don't know what these other people have been doing. And I don't know what these other people got. So exactly. Even yeah, <laughs> you are vaccinated. You don't know that they are, and I mean, I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm o positive, and then my employer mandated the vaccine vaccine because I work at a major metropolitan hospital. Yeah. So, and and my husband got it because I did. So, I mean, not that mm-hmm. we don't mind sharing. Right. <laughs> you know? And and I was like, really, O positive, yay! Something good about me. <laughs> something really you know yay I'm sure there are other good things about you. oh yes I'm just teasing <laughs> but yeah I mean that was just one of those things where my blood type my blood factors I'm missing factors so that it makes it easier for people to assimilate my blood if they get lots of transfusions so I'm a blood donor and I you know as much as I can be yeah oh yeah yeah many Saturdays She's spending mm-hmm. that chair. Yep. <laughs> <Giving> blood, <so. laughs> and I do apheresis yeah. because that gives more of the product yeah. that's um, usable. So well, you want to talk I'm just a little glad bit, that I can do that. You want to talk okay. a little, yes, a little bit about you. being a, uh, your fashion designer <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. I am a children's um, designer. I design children's graphic tees, even though sometimes I get requests requests from adults so I'll do Mm -hmm. them for the adults if I get the request Mm -hmm. and I do customs which is just basically like I hand paint like if somebody has like a picture of their daughter and they're like can you put it on a jacket for me Um, I'll I'll hand paint it for them Mm -hmm. and I've been a part of several fashion shows with my designs and and I just love to do it and I have like so many models Mm -hmm. even though like I haven't done a fashion show in over two years just because I needed to slow down a little bit and get Mm -hmm. my health together and then the pandemic started. So then I was like, I'm not doing any fashion shows in the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I was invited to, I was invited to a lot of fashion shows. And I'm just like, dude, did y'all forget that this is a pandemic? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, yeah, there <laughs> I turned many a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I turned down a lot of shows. I'm, I'm currently not, not doing them right now, but yeah, I started doing that in about, well, I've actually been doing it for a really long time because at first, I was just doing it as therapy for myself. Mm-hmm. I officially do art therapy every day now mm-hmm. for my autism because it helps. But that was just like just something that I was doing then that I didn't realize was therapeutic. And about 10 years ago, other people started asking me to do it for them. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm able to do it, then I'll do it. You know, if my body's letting me and allowing me. And it, it is something that I enjoy because, again, it's another form of art. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noticing a theme here, artistic mm-hmm. expression. So uh, now this, I'm not so certain of, but I thought I saw that you had been on the Mari Povich. My students actually were. He had a segment called Mori's Most Talented Kid Dancers, and yeah. my four of my students were a part of that. Oh, that must have been uh, rewarding. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing this was before he became the uh, Baby Daddy show. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, actually, like, I'm yeah. not even like, trying, to, trying to be funny, but, like, actually, yeah. like, he he does this, like, every year, even being oh, okay. the baby daddy, when the lady don't, like, oh, that show just kills me, but uh-huh. the, this part. I'm addicted, um, I'm sorry, I just, <laughs> I think it's cool that, you know, mm-hmm. they take a break from all the ratchetness, right. and, you know, they bring out all these talented kids from different walks of life, and yeah. showing their different talents like my my students they had like a ball it was like one of their best experiences like they yeah. they also did something in they did something in California with ABC family but um, mm-hmm. I think they liked more I think they liked Maury better but yeah. it was it was it was it was a funny he experience he seems like a yeah. great guy he, does. he really he, does, he, does like uh, he was he was actually very he was actually very nice to them you know he mm-hmm. came backstage he spoke to all the kids back there me with my introverted self I just you know laid low in the background mm-hmm. and let them do all the talking and then the parents their their parents were there so you know I let them step in and speak with him you know this was like when I was like really really introverted and I didn't mm-hmm. like I didn't even want anybody saying hello to me so now I don't want to divert too much but now mm-hmm. I know where the inspiration for our intro comes from what well and Phil <laughs> You are the father. <laughs> See? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Sub- subliminally, I've taken, mm-hmm. I've taken that from Maury. Yeah. Well, you are the husband. <laughs> you are the husband. Yes. <laughs> Never now, mind. Um, uh, now, you were honored at the uh, United Nations? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the story uh, what was, that? Yeah, I mean... No, I'm I'm not good at, like, just, talking about myself, like, when okay. people honor me, but um, yeah. I was honored at... I worked with um, the youth in my community, even though I was a youth myself, and they just honored, they just honored me for my community service, and they honored me for my work in the, in the art world. It, it was kind of like the same reason I was given my pro- proclamation by Westchester County, so, but I'm horrible at, like, like telling people about, like, Mm-hmm. why I was honored and when I was honored and who I was honored by. So okay. I'm not really that good. At, I'm not really that good at that. That's okay. I mean, you know, that some people take an honor and, and talk about nothing else. You, you take an honor, you accept it, you enjoy it, you move forward. Yeah, I was very, very grateful. But like, even like now when I do like interviews and they're like, so tell us a little bit about yourself. That is like the hardest thing for me to do because I don't know where to start because like mm-hmm. I've done so many different things. So I'm not really sure like what aspect they want me to talk about, but it's always hard for me to speak about myself when they're just like, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like it's, it's like easier for me when like questions are asked. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So have you ever considered something of like maybe a speech? No, I've never heard. I never have. And you know what was like, what's funny, like when they honored me in the United Nations, like, mm-hmm. you know, I had to go, I had to go up and get my award and they were like, you say a few words and I really didn't know what to say. So I was just like, really, you know, I just thanked them for thinking of me and for honoring me and mm-hmm. um, exp- expressed my gratitude. 
I think they wanted me to talk about myself, but I didn't do that. <laughs> I just, I just, I just expressed my gratitude and that was that. And one of the things that you've learned is that you need to do you. <laughs> right. All right. Well, it's been, yeah. it's been about an hour. It's been mm-hmm. really informative uh, conversation, I think. Well, there's a couple of uh, questions that we ask towards the end of any podcast. One of them is, is there anything we didn't ask you that you would expect us to or want us to? That we didn't no, I think, I think that you guys did a really awesome job. Thank um, you. You were very, very well researched. And you asked, like, you asked questions I didn't expect you to ask, but I'm glad that you did. Well, I can be, as I said, I was always slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, the different questions are mine. <laughs> He's good at the whole thing and I'm good at the quirkiness yeah she's got the weirdness covered and I I wear that weirdness proud flag proudly I wave that flag so he's not insulting me in any way the other thing is do you want to state your socials sure I'll start right from the top Instagram phenomenally autistic Twitter phenomenally autistic YouTube phenomenally autistic TikTok phenomenally autistic Facebook phenomenally autistic all right and you see right there I made Philip change all of our socials because everyone was something different and it was making (laughs) me insane so I made him change all of them to yeah uh pod and it took us about I guess half an hour to find the thing that all of them would accept and let me tell you my life has been better ever since (laughs) yeah all right I think I think uh it has been a pleasure Ayana thank you very much much. Uh, Mm-hmm. thank you so much for speaking with me mm-hmm. yeah. you have a good evening All right. thanks have a good evening good night you too. Bye. good night bye hey listeners it's lisa and phil from yeah uh-huh how are we doing we love feedback please use our socials to let us know what you think we have social twitter yeah uh-huh pod instagram yeah uh-huh pod facebook yeah uh-huh pod notice, notice a, a pattern? pattern website www.yeah-uh-huh.com so let us know hit us back have a great week